This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. For an entire generation, people have experienced Star Wars, the only way it's been possible, on the TV screen. But if you've only seen it this way, you haven't seen it at all. This is where the fun begins. Chewing. We're home. Hello there. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome to the Blue Milk Cafe. Grab an empty stool at the counter, order a cup of Jawa juice and a nice slice of Yogan fruit pie, and get ready because we're about to talk all things Star Wars. morning, my suspect, and welcome back into the cafe. This is episode 101. I am your host, Jeff, and let me address the elephant in the cafe right off the bat here so I get it out of the way. A little while back, I did tweet out, said I was taking another break from podcasting because some of the hate there on Twitter that I really don't even interact with got to me, and it started making my love of Star Wars, my fandom, start to wane. But the support that I got on Twitter and some of the advice I got on Twitter from all my wonderful followers and listeners told me, don't let them get to you. And you know what? They're right. The only way I'm going to get the level, my, my level of fandom back to where it was is just to keep talking about what I love and what I love is Star Wars. So that means keep doing my show. So I'm back this week. And I'm just going to continue doing my show, keep talking about what I love, and ignore all the haters. So, having said that, having gotten that out of the way, on this weekend's episode, I'll be talking about the latest episode of The Book of Boba Fett. I'll also be talking about the 25th anniversary of the special editions. Back on January 31st of 1997, George Lucas re-released the original trilogy out into theaters. But this time he did it with added scenes and enhanced special effects and enhanced audio. And I'll just be talking about all the excitement and hype surrounding that event and my experiences during that big event back in 97. But before I talk about that, let's talk about this week's episode of The Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 5, The Return of the Mandalorian, or as I joked with my wife, The Mandalorian Season 3, Episode 1. <laughs> But really, it wasn't that. Bryce Dallas Howard knocks it out of the park again with a tremendous episode. She has not done a thing in Star Wars that has been bad, at least in my opinion. And the article I saw online the other day where it says she's finally getting a movie, she deserves it. I can't wait to see what she does with it. But yeah, that, that joke about it being Mandalorian Season 3, Episode 1 was a joke because this is the book of Boba Fett. Even though we don't see Boba Fett in this entire episode, I missed seeing him, but 
we really didn't need him in this episode. This episode was tying Din Djarin in to the Book of Boba Fett's world, if that makes any sense. We see at the beginning, we see Mando come into that meatpacking plant, slaughterhouse, whatever you want to call it, with the cool aliens and the way they were dressed was perfect, in my opinion. And the fight, the fight, oh my goodness, the fight was awesome. And the fight was awesome as well because we see that Din Djarin is not experienced with the Darksaber. He actually cuts himself. He nicks his thigh there and hurts himself with it. But, and it took me three rewatches before I realized he did it to himself. I thought he got scraped with a knife or a blade or a blaster bolt, but no, he cut himself. But anyway, and we see him later on when he was when he was challenged for the Darksaber and he was fighting, we saw his inexperience there too with the Darksaber and how it was getting too heavy for him. And of course, I guess it's a tradition at the end of one of these challenges for them to be asked if they've ever removed their helmet. Has anyone removed it for you? The old thing. And you know what? Din had to say yes. And he was basically denounced a Mandalorian by the armorer you know, she said, you're no longer a Mandalorian. So oh, I, I can't wait to see where that goes. Will Din redeem himself? Will that be maybe a little storyline in season three? Who knows? But from there, he goes to Tatooine because he gets a call from, and forgive me, but I forget her name on Tatooine that, you know, fixes everything for him. He gets a message from her saying she found a replacement for his Razor Crest. He's thinking it's another Razor Crest, but no, it's an old Naboo Starfighter, which flip, I flipped out. I love that ship. I can't wait to see if he does end up getting another Razor Crest because this is a good temporary ship for him to get around in. But think about it. He's a bounty hunter. He needs a bigger ship to transport bounties. And you can't do that in a Naboo Starfighter. So, but that whole scene where he took it out for a test drive was very awesome. I loved it. And I loved how he said it was wizard when he came back. That was perfect. I loved it. I lost it because episode one's my favorite of the prequels. Everyone knows that. And when he said it was wizard, I was like, that is so wizard. He said that. But anyway, that was cool. And... Going all the way back to the beginning of the episode, I also liked how he brought back his line, I could bring you in warm, or I could bring you in cold. I love they brought that line back, because when he said that line, I actually got goosebumps. And that takes me right back to the very first episode of The Mandalorian, which I'm getting in the mood to go rewatch after I record here. <laughs> he... He, when he said that line in that very first episode, I kind of got goosebumps, even though I didn't know it was coming. So I like that they brought that back. And Brace Dallas Howard just, I think everything she touches in Star Wars turns to gold. I said that earlier, but yeah, she is awesome when it comes to Star Wars. I can't wait to see what she does next in Star Wars. She is an amazing director, amazing actress, and I can't say enough good things about her. And this episode, definitely one of my favorites of this season. I can't wait to see next episode because... We will get to see the gang all back together, I'm hoping. Din, 
Boba and Finnick all together again. That's going to be awesome. Can't wait to see that. So, moving on from this week's Book of Boba Fett, we move into the 25th anniversary of the special editions. Like I said, back in January, end of January in 97, George re-released the original trilogy back in the theaters. But like he, like I said, he did it this time with added scenes and enhanced special effects and all the goodies and stuff. So I remember it being a big deal back in 97. I was at the end of my tenure working at AMC movie theaters as a projectionist. I believe I quit working there at AMC after a very long time working for them in the middle of that year, I believe. So I have no idea, but that's where I was at the time. And I remember all the hype for it and stuff, even though my theater, my particular theater, we did not get the special editions at my theater. We weren't part of the, you know, the theaters to get the special editions around my area. So here's my confession. I never saw the special editions in the theater on the big screen. I don't have a reason why. I can't remember why I didn't see them. I am going to paint a little picture here for you so I could explain maybe why I didn't see them in the theater back then. My level of Star Wars fandom on a scale from one or from zero to 100, zero of course being the lowest, my level of fandom back in 97 for Star Wars was probably 40 to 50, right there mid-range. I was mid-range fandom. I, I am not, I wasn't as jazzed of a fan as I was back then. I wasn't at a 100 yet, like I am today. So, back when I was a little kid, my fandom was probably a 100. In the late 80s, my fandom was probably down in the 30s. And as I started hearing rumors and tales of the prequel trilogy, my level, my level of fandom probably creeped up to the 50s maybe. But yeah, mid-90s, it was hovering there between 40 and 50. So that's probably why I didn't see them in the theaters. I figured I'll wait for home release and see them on home release. My theater didn't get these movies, so I won't be able to see them for free. I'm going to have to pay for them. I'm not paying for a movie because, hell, I haven't paid for a movie in eight years. I've been working for the theater for eight years. I'm not going to pay for a movie. That was probably my thinking. So I waited for the home release. And lo and behold, the home release came out. I watched them. Never had a problem with any of the, not one of the changes that I have a problem with. In all honesty, I did not have a problem with any of the changes. Later on, when the internet became more prevalent, I started seeing all the hatred and the, just the complaining and crying about some of the changes and how George Lucas ruined your childhood. He didn't ruin your freaking childhood. It's a movie. It's his movie. He has the right to go back to change whatever he wants. Um, I, I own my fandom. I own my Star Wars fandom, but I don't own the movies. So if whatever he changes, I didn't like, fine. I'll just, 
if I have a copy of one of the original cuts, I'll go back and watch that instead of the special editions. But all of this complaining about what they added and they shouldn't have done this or shouldn't have done that. I honestly, when I saw A New Hope, I was eight years old. I don't remember if Han was the only one to shot, shoot. I don't remember half of the things that were in the original cut. The last time I saw the original cut, I was probably eight, nine years old of A New Hope. The last time I saw the original cut of uh, Return of the Jedi, I was 14 years old. The last time I saw the original cut of Empire, I was 11 years old. So I don't remember the original cuts as well as some people do because I don't own any of the original cuts. I don't think I ever owned any of the original cuts. The very first home versions of Star Wars I owned were the special editions. And I kind of really liked them. And until one of my friends told me, well, you're not upset that Greedo shoots first? And I was like, you know what, dude? I didn't even know, you know, Greedo didn't shoot at all in the original cut. I don't remember that. So I, I was ignorant. I was an ignorant fan. I didn't know. I didn't remember the original cuts as well as most fans do. And if I have to turn in my Star Wars fan card because of that, I'll give it to someone because you could have my Star Wars fan card because having a fictionary or a imaginary Star Wars fan card doesn't make me not a real fan. So, but yeah, I don't remember the original cuts as well as some fans. So that's why most of the changes didn't bother me. I really did love the Jabba scene in A New Hope. Just because whatever, I know a lot of people saying Greedo shooting first, it may, it took away some of the badassery away from Han's character. To me, putting the Jabba scene in there then shows the badassery of Han Solo because he was standing up to a crime lord. Most people in most mob movies that stand up to a crime lord or a mob boss don't last very long. Han lasted all three movies. So he was a badass standing up to Jabba the Hutt, talk, you know, in his face, telling him what he was doing. He even stepped on Jabba's tail. Come on. You do any other thing to a mob boss, you're whacked right there. Um, having Boba Fett in that scene wasn't really necessary, but was I happy to see him? Heck yes, I was happy to see him because Boba Fett's a badass character. I was a Boba Fett fan. I'm a Boba Fett fan again. I'm a reborn Boba Fett fan. Um, after The Mandalorian Season 2, I'm a reborn Boba Fett fan. They brought back Boba Fett, and we are getting the Boba Fett we always deserved, in my opinion. So, but yeah, Boba... Being in that scene never really bothered me either. Um, all the changes in The Empire Strikes Back were outstanding to me. Um, the Cloud City additions, where they were putting things that you could see out the windows, and you saw more of the cityscape, and the scenery was beautiful. It opened up Cloud City. It made it more light. It made it seem bigger. I really liked that. 
and the the whole Vader bring me my shuttle change never had a problem with that either to me to me I know a lot of people said the original cut made Vader sound upset and mad and intimidating but in the rework where it's just you know Vader calmly saying you know inform my ship you know of my arrival or something to that effect to me that's how a big bad is supposed to act even though he's raging inside he's supposed to emit this aura of calmness and that calmness makes you even more intimidating in my opinion if you know that oh he's going to be upset and no he's he's just calm he's talking in his normal voice so to me that that that's where my head was thinking about that change so that in my opinion that change never had a problem with it I also really like the addition of him walking to his shuttle. I'm glad they added that as well. But, yeah, and the changes in uh, Jedi were all good. I don't think, I can't think of a one that upset me in Jedi. Um, the put in Hayden Christensen in was, to me, the right thing to do, especially you know that the the prequels I that's right that's right I'm sorry I'm sorry the Hayden Christensen change in the special editions came after the prequels came out the original cut in 97 um, still had the original actor in there that played Anakin until after 99 then after 99 George went back and added Hayden which I think was the right thing to do because we saw the prequels, we saw what Anakin looked like, and it just fits the continuity flow a little bit better, him putting Anakin in there. So, or Hayden in there as Anakin. So I really like that change. And overall, I love the special editions. Like I said, even though I'm an original trilogy fan, I'm turning 53 years old in March, and I should be saying the original cuts are my Star Wars. The original cuts are the first Star Wars I saw, but I saw them so long ago, I really don't remember them as well as I remember the special editions. So to me, the special editions are Star Wars to me. The special editions are how Star Wars was always meant to be, if that makes any sense whatsoever to anybody. Does that make me a bad original trilogy era fan? No, I don't think it does. It just shows that I'm not afraid to admit that I don't remember the original trilogy or the original cuts as well as other fans. Other fans owns own th these original cuts. I don't, like I said, I don't own any of the original cuts. I don't know where I can find any of the original cuts. If I could purchase Blu-rays of the original cuts of Star Wars, I would. And if anyone out there knows of a place where, hey, yeah, you can you, you can buy them here. Here's a website where you can buy them. Tweet at me on at that BMC pod and let me know where I can get a hold of some original cuts. I'll be more than happy to buy them, go back and watch them 
and then watch the special editions and maybe get a better perspective on why some fans had, were so irate of some of the changes. I would be, I would love to do that, but I only own one copy of the Star Wars saga, and that's the latest uh, set that they put out that my wife got me last year for Christmas. It's called the Skywalker Saga. It's a big Blu-ray box set has mo the movies one through nine in them, and that's the only set I own. The ones that I owned before that, like the special edition box set and the prequel box set I got rid of, I sold. So I don't hold on to them. I'm not a collector per se. So as long as I have one physical copy of the movie that I love, I'm fine with that. So that's my episode this week. I hope you enjoyed my incoherent ramblings about the special editions and this week's episode of Book of Boba Fett. So I'm still trying to get back into the, what do you call it, the podcast mode and how I'm recording and stuff like that. Because this is, heck, this is my own, only my second show back after being off for how many months. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always... Until next time. Like a bantha. Give the evacuation code signal. Thank you for stopping by the cafe. Life is all about passions. Thank you for lending me your ear while I shared all of mine. You can follow the Blue Milk Cafe on Twitter at that BMC Pod. You can follow the Facebook group, the BMC Pod. You can also email the Blue Milk Cafe, that BMC Pod at gmail.com. And remember, Blue Milk, it does a body good. Anyway. Greetings, listener. Just a reminder that the podcast you just heard is a proud member of the Red 5 Network family. Red5Network.com offers you a great variety of shows you'll be sure to love. So the next time you're itching for quality content, make sure you head over to Red5Network.com. You'll find this podcast along with a whole lot more. All wings report in. It's the Red 5 Network. <laughs>